We're falling apart, everybody. We're so rusty. Oh, man. Um, it's been too long. It's been too long. We don't even know how to do shows anymore. Oh, man. All right. So th- <laughs> this is our intro, everybody. Welcome to another Hello. episode. Welcome to another episode of At The Bar Podcast. Our uh, hiatus is over, at least for yes. the time being. <laughs> we just, let's just call it uh, like a summer vacation. Yeah. A spring yeah. vacation. A, a spring vacation. vacation. <laughs> Don't get me with the natter days. God, is that how we're going already? No. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're, we're back with another episode. I am Mike. As you just heard, that's Jeff on the other side. Yep, that's me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open my beer real fast as you're uh, pulling your legs back up. Yeah. All right. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'll do that. Ooh, baby. It's been a long time since we heard those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. All right. What are you drinking? I am drinking. So uh, Doug from Do South came up to visit me about a month ago at my job. Dropped off some Cat 5 IPAs, as Jeff can see in the in the uh, webcam here. Um, Look at so that. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Do South, as as listeners know who've been listening to us for a while. Um, uh, so, so I want to thank Doug, first of all, to uh, dropping this off. I'm very happy. So shout out to Doug and Deuce and the family at Do South in Boynton Beach, Florida. Cheers. Thanks for the Cat 5. Love you guys. Heck yeah. Awesome beer. Mm-mm-mm. It's so good. And I'm not an IPA guy. Yep. Jeff obviously knows. And most of you know I'm not an IPA guy, but this is one of the few IPAs I thoroughly enjoy. Mm-hmm. I love like doubles and triple IPAs. Those are like, they have enough of that malt and that sweet and that that boozy to kind of counteract just that pure bitter crap. So I, <laughs> so I am on board with that IPA right there. I went yeah. a completely different route, which, uh, you know, might seem planned after we get into our discussion. <laughs> However, <laughs> but we swear total accident, total accident, but I'm drinking the, uh, Smirnoff spiked seltzer, uh, raspberry rosé. I've also got a couple other flavors here. I just got the little sampler pack. Yeah. Um, you know that I think it's got four flavors in there, and I've got like a a cranberry lime, ooh, a watermelon, and I think there's a uh, like a black cherry lemonade or some kind of lemonade one that they mm. also have that I don't have with me at the moment. I think we drank all those ones, but anyway, yeah, that's a, you're you're on a hard seltzer kick right now, right? Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting a little fluffy in the midsection. I think I need to yeah. start looking, looking into these seltzers a little more often 
<laughs> Same. <laughs> I was I was doing good, and then this house took over my life, and I don't go to the gym anymore, and I I just drink beer now. So, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> that's I mean that's a huge reason why we've we've taken a break. You know, our schedule's been busy, and you just moved into your new house. Correct. Yes, and you're renovating. So that's renovating awesome. every day, all day, every day. And still running Black Marley in downtown Stewart. Yep, yep, yep. So you're a busy guy, and then I have my moments of being busy. And next thing you know, a couple months go by, we're like, shit, we haven't done anything. I know, <laughs> I know, yes. So, But we're, it feels really good to be back on the show. Oh, oh man. It feels I love good. It. I love it. We have an action-packed show. This <sighs> we've been, We haven't done a show so long. We are now backlogged. <laughs> Way backlogged. Way backlogged. So uh, normally we'd be like, oh man, we gotta we gotta start dig content up and and fluff a little bit, right? This we're like, shit, which news article are we covering? <laughs> we're and and we are the best fluffers, I yeah, mean, the best, such fluff. We're fluffer experts, yeah, fluff, <laughs> fluff kings, fluffer kings. So we uh, our last episode or the episode before this one, uh, we had a brief moment of shitting on Boston Lager from Sam Adams. Yeah, and uh, yeah, totally, uh, totally impromptu. Just I just thought about for a second just how much I think that beer sucks, and it just kind of came through organically. So <laughs> that's most of it. Yeah. Um, Sorry I, if anybody got offended. Yeah, and uh, I agreed, saying Boston Lager does suck. Uh, and oh boy, oh boy, did that ruffle a lot of feathers. Oh man, <laughs> that oh that was probably. One of the top uh, shock jock moments of which is of, wild. Of things we've said and I the have straight of up, I have straight up shit on things before on this show, and like not nearly as much of a reaction. And I, for the record, I didn't say that Boston Beer Company. Well, I actually we're gonna have to. Yeah, I think we might have to. Say we're that, gonna yeah. have to <laughs> fact check me here. I believe I said Boston Lager is swill water. But we did we did say that Boston Beer Co. has some good beers and some limited release stuff that we is did, only yeah. up in in that market, or uh-huh. the limited release stuff. Some of their stuff's good. I think the stuff that is largely available largely sucks. Sorry yeah. if you disagree with me. This is an opinion based show, and if you don't agree with my opinion, well, you probably agree on some other things, and you probably disagree on a lot of things. But it's all right. That's the it's the beauty of so, being an American, baby. So we got an email that I want to summarize <laughs> about how wrong we were <laughs> that Boston Lager is a fucking great beer. Um, Fantastic beer. Name is Anon. Okay, off to not a good start. Email address left, Anon. So it's a fake email. So a troll emailed us at this point because we have no name. No, can't really have a discussion if we don't know who you are. But we're moving forward. Uh, episode uh, so episode 63 was an interesting conversation about the beer trends, and I really enjoyed the discussion. However, I do feel disappointed with your reactions to Samuel Am's boss lager. <laughs> I love this first paragraph already. Love it. Um, so I'm going to summarize the next two paragraphs here. Uh, this person works in the craft beer industry, and uh, and I get that there's a lot less than stellar beers out there. However... When describing a beer to a customer, I never describe it as disgusting, gross, etc. Out of respect for the craft brewer. Generally, I use styles and taste descriptors, brew notes, or stories. If I regally don't really regally don't like it, I simply describe it as not my style preference, etc. 
I wish you guys would have done the same, especially when it comes to a brewery that's paved the way for so many others in the industry. Not to mention other interesting stories about how Jim saved the hop industry in Germany or sold his excess supply to small craft brewers who have been gone out of business during the hop shortage some years back. I think we're a little spoiled with the myriad of beer styles that we've gotten to try. Because if you think about the context of Boston Lager when it was first created, it was a phenomenal beer in the sea of shitty light lagers and skunky and stale imports. Sure, it may not be as crazy as the milkshake out here, Fruity Berliner, but it's objectively a good and well-made beer that has helped pull lots of people to the craft beer, pull lots of people to the craft beer industry. Crack open a fresh one, and if you honestly think it's still, quote, disgusting, end quote, say it's not for you and encourage others to try for themselves. That is all. Thanks. So I opted to read the whole email because fuck it, whatever. Well, first off, let me just we have say. To, Jeff, we have to be nice. No, we, we, don't, nice. we don't have to be nice. But <laughs> what I will say is thank you for sending some feedback because we actually do appreciate that. That is something that yeah. on this show, um, that's what we're looking for is to, one, entertain. But two, we want, to, we want to hear from you guys as well and make sure that, you know, Absolutely. what we're doing is something you want to listen to. Um in, in respect to some of the things that you said, first of all, we were and still are largely in the craft beer uh, industry as well. And if I were discussing it to a potential customer buying beer, I would not say Boston Lager is swill water. But on a show, an opinion-based an opinion beer podcast show, I would That's feel very comfortable saying that Boston Lager is swill water. And sure. I still feel I still feel comfortable saying that. Yep. But but if you disagree, that's fine. And I, we're allowed to disagree with each other. And there's definitely things that I'm you know I probably wouldn't agree with you on as well. So, but thank you for the feedback. Uh, I don't hate Jim Cook. I don't hate uh, Boston Beer Co. Um, I don't think they put out particularly great beers. But in an ever-growing sea of mediocrity in the craft beer world now, they're not putting out terrible beers either by comparison to a lot of the things that are on the market now. Um, and we'll get large, we'll, we'll discuss further with that in, in when we get into the next topics as well, because there's a lot of things that we're talking about as far as beer trends and, and different things. But yeah. anyway, I, you know, I, I, I have to stand behind my word on, on what I said with that beer. I do think that that beer is uh, largely overrated trash. And I also do think... And I also do think that, you know what, it may be, you know, Jim was a a pioneer for craft beer, but a lot of those people never graduated from Boston Lager. A lot of those people, you say it brought all these people to the craft beer world, but it really, I, I kind of disagree with you. It's a, that's a beer that people, that's a beer that people, maybe it brought people to Sam Adams or, or to Boston Beer Co., but I don't think it brought anybody or many people into the craft beer scene, like the same way that, uh, you know, a, a citrus, a light citrus IPA would, or a fruity wheat beer would, or an entry level craft beer does. I think that was such a, a, you know, polarizing type of a, a personal beer that, uh, it just completely linked itself with an entire region of the country that people come in and say, I just want a Sam Adams. They don't even care which one. Yeah. I see what you're saying. It's Boston Lager. I think you're referring to Boston Lager being the gateway when it wasn't. It's everything else. That Sam Adams does make a fruited wheat. They do make 
different things, but to, to say Boston Boston Lager was a gateway to craft, I think, is uh as a larger not entirely correct. Yeah, as a larger portfolio item, yeah. sure. But I, you know, hey, listen, there's a lot of breweries that make beer that I just think sucks. But yeah. not all of them suck, and not every brewery sucks. If they make a bad beer, they make a bad beer. I have breweries I love that have made beers that are disgusting. Yeah. And uh, and you know what? On the show, I'll say disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, it, but there's I'm gonna get I'm gonna get real a little serious uh and right here um from so my opinion is is this is an entertainment show right we 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 like to have our opinions and to say crazy shit do funny stuff this and that um so there is a little bit of uh acting i guess to where we could be a little bit extra abrasive or maybe say things a little bit too far just to get a reaction out of people it's entertaining if you had two guys that were just hey yeah i really like uh dogfish blah 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 because it's really good blah, blah blah that's not entertaining us me saying something stupid just saying something stupid even though we may entirely mean it or maybe we only mean half of it it's still it's this has to be a form of entertainment in, in some retrospect so i do support jeff in saying boss lager sucks because i feel the same way and that's just happens to be a 100 truth right um and being on the show it gives us an opportunity to be brutally honest to say we hate these beers we love these beers this is that and this is that you should never say to a customer, don't get this beer because it's gross. Never. We would never say that. So being at craft beer professionals, both Jeff with his restaurant and me at the brewery, we would never deter someone from saying this beer is gross, whether we like it or not. It's it, yeah. I don't like New England IPAs and the brewery I work for makes 95% New England IPAs. Do I walk <laughs> around saying, do I walk around saying our beer suck? No, I walk around and if people ask my recommendation, I'm actually honest and say, hey, I'm not the biggest fan of New England's, but I like this one or I like that one. Or I could describe a beer. Oh, this New England is lactose. So it's creamy, smooth, a little sweet on the end. Or it's grassy with a bitter finish or it's fruity. Like we, I don't go around saying New England suck openly to everybody. I just say on this show because yeah. it's our show. It's our business. This is our business. I I can stand behind what I say here 100 percent of the time, so so that's me being serious on the entertainment factor of it. It's just entertaining. Radio's not all real. Podcasts aren't all real. There's a little a little acting involved. But going back to the email, I want to point out a little ironic comments. We all know my love for the Bud Lights and lately the Natter Days. Yeah, your Natter Day obsession is. is I'm Natter Day. I'm working. Uh, don't worry, buddy. You're next time I see you, you're getting an 18 pack of that shit. Oh, I'm so excited for, for the for the pool. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So the first paragraph says about you know I would never describe a beer as disgusting, gross, etc. Out of respect for the craft brewer. Scroll down to the last sentence, Mister Emailer, and you say quote. Uh, because if you think about context of Boston Lager when it was first created, it was a phenomenal beer in the quote sea of shitty light loggers and skunky and stale imports i did sorry I did sir that and thought that immediately i have to say I have to admit sorry it. sir your comment is voided because you just shitted on light loggers and stale imports which guess what crap breweries make light loggers <gasps> well right? now in his in his defense i think he's more going after the macro he's going after macro 
we the know macro. that. Which yeah. we, we, which we, you know, we've done that. We've done that. We'll of a million do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But. Because fuck you, macro. Is, yeah. Yeah. Except but like nowadays you're awesome. Anyway, imports. Some imports may be labeled as craft on American debt by the American definition. We don't know that. Wait, what is that American definition? Oh, Good. I'm just kidding. I'm just... <laughs> so, um, it's, you know, beer has a place. Every beer has a place for everybody. Everyone has different styles, right? I don't make fun of Jeff for drinking his stuff. Not all the time, only sometimes. Only, but he also makes fun of me sometimes. Oh, I mean, you drink Bud Light and Natter Days. Of yeah. course, I make fun of you. Yeah, please <laughs> never stop either. Never. Stop. It fuels. It fuels it. Um, oh, it's like I just don't. We go out together, and you get like this, like beautiful thirteen percent barrel aged. I get heavy stout shit. and all this crazy, and it's like these wonderful dessert stouts and these great Berliner vices yeah. and sours and all these things, and then you're like, post a picture of a Natter Day, and it just drives me nuts. Yeah, like, dude. damn it, man. Like, <laughs> I know you have like 500 beers at your house. Why are you crushing Natterdays right now? That's true. I'll, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy that goes, hey, Jeff, here's three Angry Church Stouts, and here's a 24 pack of Natterdays. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, and don't get me right. It's funny, man. We just have fun with it. We make fun of each other all the yeah. time for the, the stupidness of our, of our drinking. But, it just sometimes it just cracks me up. I really do actually actively laugh out loud sometimes when I see some of your posts. <laughs> like, like oh, Mike's Mike's crushing a twelve pack of Bud Light tonight. Look at this! Look at this! Dude, I get so much shit for it. I love it. I fucking love it. So anyway, yeah. So thanks for sending the email. Um, I'm glad we finally got a chance to cover it, even though it was a little bit later than we wanted to. But um, all jokes aside, all all seriousness aside. Uh, we do appreciate the email and um, thank you for listening as always. And people like you, guy or gal, that makes this a lot more fun than just two guys sitting in front of their computers in a room talking to each other. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you make it worth it. We appreciate it. Thank you. And I know we made some fun, uh, some jokes uh, towards you at this. Uh, I hopefully you have a good enough sense of humor to to understand what we're talking about but I we mean, do apologize if we've offended you but yes it's a it's a fun show we try to have a good time with it and we value your input i hope to hear back from you again yeah i mean you got jeff drinking a rosé hard seltzer and yeah. i love natterday so really it's actually, oh, water, it's actually i just switched i'm on the watermelon one now oh man and, and in true watermelon fashion which how many times we've at least three or four times throughout our show's history have discussed watermelon flavors and beer yeah it doesn't work any fucking better in seltzers. It doesn't. Ugh. It tastes like feet. It's very feety. Yeah. Ugh. I don't get it's it. Really. Watermelon doesn't work. It's a flavor. Stop doing it, people. Stop it. It's a stop. Yeah. I know watermelon is delicious. Watermelon flavored things doesn't work. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Smirnoff. <laughs> Damn it. God, I'm Natterdays and your heart seltzer. These seltzer, these Smirnoff ones are the best ones, though. I mean, this is the bad flavor of the of the mixed pack, the watermelon one. But the other three flavors are all fantastic. Forward, um, with with the email, uh, with the email, kind of kind of brought up. Um, you know, Jim Koch and Sam Adams have done a lot for craft beer, and um, they've done so many good things. But like every business, there's the bad. So mm-hmm. we wanted to point out. The bad things that Sam has has done because 
I'm a real piece of shit. And I pretty can't much. Have, yeah. I mean, I can't have if there's too much happiness, I have to bring it down with some real sad shit. Some real negativity. The real hard nosed truth, the fact yeah. about craft beer. So Do you guys want to hear the dirt. This is Yeah, it. this is this is the dirt. Um article dated May thirty first of last year, Boston Beer Sam Adams pays nearly a million dollars in fines to New York in a label case. To sum this article up, Sam Ams made a big old goof and forgot to get brand label registration approval for, let's see here, um, I think it was their Angry Orchard and Twisted Tea, yeah. So they didn't get label approval through New York for Angry Orchard uh, Cider and Twisted Tea Malt Beverage, which for those who don't know, if you distro out of state, the state you're distroing in has to approve all of your labels, which costs money. Um, which is why a lot of smaller craft breweries, uh, you know, Florida specific, don't go out of Florida because it's such a financial burden to go to Georgia or to Distro Louisiana because it's just you have to pay, get a Distro deal, pay for label approval, all this, hire people. It's it's just a, a massive undertaking to expand in each state you expand to, and each state has different regulations and policies. Yeah. So. Uh, they got they got fined a million dollars, um, but in good business, uh, they sold about 1.4 million cases of beer, hard hard cider, and malt beverages in New York without the proper registration. But the value of those sales are 24 million dollars. So really, 23 million dollars is not a problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be real with that company, like. One million dollar in fines is that that like headline is more just to turn our heads because one million sounds like a lot to us. That's like that'd be like if you got a parking ticket at a small town, they're like ten dollars. You got to pay your ten dollar parking ticket. You'd be like, okay, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) All right, ten dollars really getting me here. Yeah, they're like a million dollars. I wish we could keep that million dollars, but I suppose we just made twenty four million in this state, so. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll take yeah. the million. We'll yeah. take the million in fines. Yeah, you know? so, and and this just shows you know not just Sam Adams. Even though we're, we're we're poking fun a little bit, but you know we 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 like to talk a lot about positivity and crappery. But there's times where we have to get negative and and talk about you know a metery posting a porn related image on a hiring post or still amazing to me. Um, a brewery that's right behind them uh, selling cans for more expensive than their distro prices. This is just part of the job of having a craft beer podcast. We got to, we got to talk about everything good and bad. And unfortunately Boston beer is the, the target today, uh, not by choice, but um, stuff like this is, 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 is information people don't know, you know, and, and that's why I thought it was a good idea to bring it up is, is when people say, Oh, you know, do south when you guys go expand to georgia it's like it's such an undertaking that right. you know i think a lot of craft breweries especially the smaller ones want to stick to local in terms of like state only and keep everything in the tap room and that's just this is just a point of how distroing is not the answer now for most breweries especially mm-hmm. small ones Well, yeah. And we used to always wonder, we'd talk about, you know, we'd talk to these brewers and we'd talk to these people at these smaller breweries and we, you know, we're doing a ton more brewery interviews and we always were so surprised and dumbfounded when they're like, no, man, we just kind of want to keep it here. We don't want, you know, we're not trying to get too into distro. We're not trying to, and we're sitting there going like, 
man, like if I could get this at my hometown or if I could get this where I'm from, blah, 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 like we would drink it all the time. And the fact right. is it's just not sim- – that's simply not true. Like we all think we would drink every beer all the time if it was available. But think about how many times you go to a bottle shop and there's amazing beers available and you're not drinking them all the time. Yeah. Because because the market has so much – I mean just like ridiculous just amounts of, of ridiculous amounts of beer, great beer. You can always find a great beer. So it's not – now it's not a thing where it's like being in distro is a direct advantage when he, I mean, of course it is. It's added sales and things like that. But, but I understand the concept of wanting to keep your brand small a lot more now because, quite frankly, I don't necessarily think that the that the demand is really as big. You have to work at it. You have to invest time and money into it to build it. There's a lot of legal stuff that goes into distribution, especially across, like you said, state lines. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of a a much bigger undertaking than people think it is because the brand's not just going to sell itself. You have to find the right distributor who's going to get behind it. You've got to find, uh, they have to find a sales force to push it. Um, It's a lot of things that go in a lot of moving parts. So I do understand that it's just, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot tougher than people think it is, but yeah. So I'm just posting on Instagram here. So yeah, I mean it's it's tough and 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 you know, we're learning just as much as hopefully one day I'm a future brewery owner myself, you know, it's something to think about in terms of my the type of expansion, the process of expansion and you know what is the most in the in the most benefit of my business to make more money or you know, make the most money and spend the least, right? So <clears throat> moving forward, um this was a big one for a while and I brought this up because it's not only a big deal for people really in the industry, but it's worth noting that um the power of of some of these companies that can can play and affect others. Um uh, so for a long time now it's been kind of an unspoken truth that Sam Adams has a lot of pull with the Bruise Association. And for those who don't know the Bruise Association, it's essentially the uh managing body of all craft breweries in America. Or if, it's it's the um if you own a house it's the um Jeff help me out here I'm I'm drawing the a blank HOA? the HOA thank you oh, the Brewers Association is essentially the HOA of housing developments but in this case breweries so this there's two articles here and one of them is super easy so I'm gonna go to Jeff I'm gonna go with the Beervana one um yep and pretty it. much I'm gonna thank you uh I'm gonna sum up pretty much the three three times in the last seven years the brewers association the managing body of craft beer in america has changed the rules the uh, i'm sorry in its 12 year history that criteria has changed three times and the criteria is what makes a craft brewer in terms of a brewery to be labeled as a craft brewery you have to meet these definitions in the last 12 years it's changed three times and most notably the Boston Beer Company, aka Sam Abs, has been its most influential member because they are the highest grossing, the the biggest craft brewery within the Brewers Association up until last year. So about mid twenty eighteen, they changed it. They changed the definition of craft brewery, which now includes Yingling as being the number one, and then Sam Abs being two. So 
Uh, one of the changes that uh, expanded the definition of a small uh, so that the largest and most influential member, member Bossmere, will be included. Uh, this current change was also tailored specifically for Boston beer, which in recent years focused more on cider, alcoholic seltzers, and teas than beer. The new definition would allow it to remain within the organizational organization's definition, even if it didn't principally principally make beer. Um, <laughs> so, summing up, I know me Jeff talked we talked about it a little bit before the show is essentially they changed the rules to allow craft breweries to make beverages that are not beer. In the last 11 years, to be a crapper, you only had to make beer. Now with the rise of ciders, seltzers, teas, and other various non-beer things, those all have gotten included. Right. Um, and then recently, uh, before I, I'm going I'm to swing it to you, Jeff, here in a second, uh, it, it points out the, the growth of cider, flavored malt beverages like Twisted Tea, Truly Spiked, and other seltzers are diminishing beer exponentially which means they're they've been selling for so much that a lot of breweries are now focusing on those styles and less on beer correct so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it to you jeff and sure and kind of let you let you talk for a little minute absolutely so um first off what a amazing feat that it is that yingling is the number one craft brewer because they yeah, are they have like what 12 13 state distribution only east of the mississippi um, yeah, so they they've got like I think like thirteen state distribution, and for them to outsell Boston Beer Co is a pretty incredible feat. Now, I actually I believe it's not Boston Beer Co they're outselling; it's just Sam Adams, but still, um, pretty pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, so basically, what what to sum up kind of it, without using the numbers and everything, um, what Mike is talking about is that there's been three times where the Brewers Association has upped the up the barrel output. And, and amended the rules in what would be uh, considered a craft brewer. So in before you had to, if you sold up to 2 million barrels a year or below, you could call yourself a craft brewer. Well, as Sam Adams directly was uh, getting close to hitting that number, all of a sudden they changed it from 2 million barrels to 6 million barrels a year. And if you sell under 6 million barrels, you could still fly your flag underneath the craft brewer uh, banner. So as they, and of course, it, it's never been a direct link. They've never said that it's, oh, definitely Sam Adams. or we have to change it so Sam Adams can continue to say that they're a craft brewer. It's never been that kind of, it's that untold story. But then the more recent time that it's happened, it released as soon as Sam Adams released their numbers, uh, as far as their quarterly sales for the year, where they were projected to go over, they amended the rules again in order to project them to stay a craft brewer. So it's, it's, and it was within three days of them releasing their numbers where they made, where they re amended that. Um, that's crazy number. So yes, that's crazy. Uh, as it says here, the irony of the statement, while not explicably stated, previous updates of, uh, definition have essentially been because of Boston Beer Company, which has been on a trajectory to lose its craft brewer definition since 2010. When Boston Beer uh, when Boston beer was set to eclipse the previous craft brewer maximum barrelages of $2 million, the BA bumped the amount to 6 million. So it was literally like a, a, immediate. Yeah. So anyway, and since then they've changed it three times last year, 2018, 14 and 2010. So they've changed it three times to accommodate Boston beer co. 
because like you just said, they were projected to eclipse the minimum or the maximum in 2010. And that's when Correct. it changed the second time. So, I mean, it's, it, it is one, it is one crazy thing. This article actually does go into a lot more detail about the breakdown of, of various uh, SKUs that have come out and different kind of market share values of things that have come out, how much more uh, truly spiked hard seltzers Boston Beer Co. is selling than their Sam Adams, uh, Sam 76 that came out or the New England IPA. Um, they also were talking about the Rose Cider from uh, Angry Orchard that had sold, that had outsold brands like Breckenridge Vanilla Porter and Narragansett Lager. Um, so pretty amazing stuff where these non-beer entities are adding significant portions of sales to their portfolio. And that is kind of what we were talking about earlier, where these these things, which I said in previous episodes, I think these hard seltzers are here to stay. I think they've got all they check all the boxes, the health thing the alcohol thing, the refreshing, easy to drink, uh, the non-filling, they're low calorie, they're uh, an, an active person's drink. You know, if you're if you're between drinking a Mick Ultra because you're watching your weight or drinking one of these, they taste a lot better and they actually have, you know, similar calories and, and more alcohol. Um, some of them, some of them are pretty light in alcohol. But either way, I think these are, they have a lot of staying power. So yeah. to put that into perspective, truly... Uh, hard seltzers sold 244,500 barrels in one quarter, in one quarter of last year. That's three months, people. So 244,500 barrels during that time span, which is only 32,500 barrels less than Lagunitas' entire portfolio. <laughs> That's insane, everybody. Insane. So, yeah. So when you're talking about what these things are doing to that Boston Beer Co. Uh, company worth and, and where where does your focus shift, um, you know, to put it on a small scale if, in my restaurant, if my food cost is 30 percent or, is, you know, 13 or 15 percent higher than my liquor cost, where do you think my focus is going to be? Um, yeah. You know, these people are now having to make a decision where craft beer is on a slow decline. It's not a sharp decline, but I think craft beer sales uh, declined about 2%, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Yeah. Or not just craft beer, actually beer sales in general, Mm -hmm. including macros was about a 2% decrease. Um, And now you've got things like this that are taking off like wildfire. And it's like, well, do I continue to try to do the craft beer thing where people are starting to lose interest, where the bubble is popping or has popped or do I go to this thing where I'm outselling an entire or just about outselling an entire successful craft brewers portfolio with one skew, basically with one product? Yeah. You know, um, so I think that you're seeing that change and that that shift to these hard seltzers and, and the ciders and the twisted tea. The twisted tea numbers were like those were the ones that blew me away because yeah. I don't know a single freaking person on earth who drinks twisted tea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anyone either. But they the those numbers were insane. Yeah. I mean, got, uh, uh, the article we're looking at uh, is on Good Beer Hunting. Uh, it's called Turn and Face the Strange, uh, Boston Beer Co. Uh, Boston Beer Stays Craft. So just do Good Beer Hunting and do a search for Turn and Face the Strange, and you'll find this article. And they go real in-depth. And guys and gals, this hard seltzer is mind-blowing. Even ciders. Ciders 
or or taking off. And and one one of the paragraphs here, uh, it says why why does it matter? And there's a brewery uh, in Ohio, Ryan Ryan Geist Brewery, has a great IPA. It says, for example, has a hit in its Truth IPA, but it has seen so much success in its cider brands that it's now lead. It's it's that alone is making this brewery expand, not the beer, but their ciders, and they're launching in Massachusetts. Which, like we just talked about, the cost of expanding and destroying another state, their ciders in a brewery are doing so well that ciders are making this brewery expand. Not the beer, not the customer service, not the tap room or the atmosphere. Ciders. So, man. Yeah, ciders. And then this is like I was saying. So I just wanted to find it so I could discuss it really quick. Listen to these twisted tea stats. Freaking twisted tea. Think to yourself, I'm assuming if you guys are like us, craft beer, uh, at least, you know, in, in, not enthusiasts, but at least people who like craft beer and appreciate a good beer, you probably don't drink a lot of twisted tea. But nope. keep this in mind because it must be pretty freaking good if it's doing what it's doing. Twisted tea, which will easily outsell Sam Adams in stores in 2018 after, or, I'm sorry, in stores. In 2018, after doing it for the first time last year, has grown 43.3% volume from 2015 to 2017. Twisted Tea's collection of brands sold 37.5% more volume than the entire Sam Adams family. Wow. Wow. 37.5% more volume than Sam Adams. Like, and this is, and that's not a beer. That's not, I mean, that's what, what, I mean, it's a, it's a a brewery owned or a a Boston beer co owned entity. It's a, it's a drinking product, but it's not a beer. It's not liquor. It's not, I mean, it's a malt. What is it? A malt beverage. Malt beverage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and that, and a product that I would have guessed is largely unpopular. Yeah. I would have assumed too is selling 37.5% more volume than Sam Adams. Maybe, I mean, we. I guess we can only speak for our limited view of Florida. Excuse me, I just burped on Mike. Oh, gross. Our limited view, like, I'm in Orlando. Jeff, you're in South Florida. Like, from what we see and with the people we know and our vast group of, of friends in the community and, and personal friends, like, no one's drinking that stuff. I haven't seen... A, per, a, a person I knew drinking Twisted Tea who wasn't a bum. <laughs> like, that's a bum drink, right? But my God, but that's 37%. Because yeah, like, it's, it's $2 for a 36-ounce yeah. can. And it's like 13%. <laughs> like, it's, it's a bum drink. That's a new shirt. Um, <laughs> so, so listen to these numbers because this is interesting. In the whole Boston Beer Co. portfolio, everything they own, Sam Adams, which is – by definition, the second largest craft brewer in the country, Sam Adams, only makes up 26% of Boston Beer Co.'s sales. Twisted Twisted Tea makes up 36% of their sales. Angry Orchard is almost even with Sam Adams at 23.5%. They're only 2.5% less than Sam Adams. And then Truly, which just started selling, what, a year and a, a half ago? A year ago and a half ago, yeah. 14.4% of Boston Beer Co.'s total sales in a year and a half. 
They've mm-hmm. gone from 0% to 14.4% of Boston Beer Co.'s sales. So how, I mean, one, the truly, even though it's the lowest number, is on this astronomical trajectory, this rise that's like shooting through the roof. Not only that, Twisted Tea is continuing to grow against Sam Adams. Yeah. So it's at 36% and growing. So Sam Adams is sitting here going, well, where do we focus? You know, where we're Boston Beer Co. is well, 26% of our, of our market share is in craft beer and the rest is not in beer at all. And the beer is falling off. Yeah. Slowly declining, but yet you have Twisted Tea doing over 4% over a third of their sales. What the wow. F- like any business person is going to be like, fuck beer. I'm going to make more Twisted Tea, like, or whatever site or whatever it is. Like, man. You know like, what that is? These that's numbers, well, like, hit me. That's a well-diversified portfolio. <laughs> yeah. For real, yeah. Each each line, Hard Seltzer, Twisted Tea, whatever, can hold their own. Obviously, yeah. to get – I mean, Boston Beer Co. is a big company where they – Good for them, man. Four, but each division is like a craft brewer's wet dream. You know what I'm saying? If my if my local Orlando brewery sold hearts or hard seltzers were twenty percent of my sales, holy shit! Like it's insane. Yeah, it says it says here that, um, and I don't know. Let me see, one fifty three. So it looks like uh, it looks like they're including Angry Orchard in beer. Uh, it, so cider is considered beer by when you add up the percentages. Sure. Okay. So. In the next graphic, in 2010, 88.9% of Boston Beer Co.'s sales were of beer product. Sure, in, okay. in 2017, only 53.2% is beer product. And, Yo. And, and what is concerning about this is until they, of course, change it again. Yeah, The Brewers Association cut off to be considered a traditional brewer is they have to brew at least 50% beer. And so here they are on a trajectory to sell less than 50% beer next year. Yeah. And what's going to happen? Are they going to be considered a traditional brewer by the Brewers Association? Probably, yeah. You know, who knows? Dude, that's such a huge drop. 30 plus percent drop in what, seven years? Mm-hmm. Seven years, guys. This is like multi-million dollars, like hundreds of millions of dollars. Insane, dude. Like, I feel like I got hit with like a Neil deGrasse Tyson like documentary. Like, my mind <laughs> is like melted right now, and like I'm like blown away because we always knew it was high, but for some reason, this article was like, oh shit. <laughs> Well, I'll t- I'll say this. Uh, it was eye opening to me, and despite the fact of what I might have said when I was drunk and uh, talking about Boston Lager swill water, um, I, I actually do have respect for Jim Cook, and I do have respect for Sam Adams uh, and, and what they did to pave the way for a lot of craft brewers. Um, and, and like you did mention in your email, he has done some amazing things for the craft beer community. Yeah, um, and this to me was a really eye opening. Um, article to really just show you just one, how brilliant they are at business and just how smart they were to diversify and get into the things that are on the up and up 
and to really, uh, I mean, they, they took these things and, and really made something with them um, and have, have insulated themselves against falling beer sales. And also they've kind of insulated themselves against um, for better or for worse or right or wrong, whether you agree or not, the, the, the people who have discounted their brand name, you know, the people yeah. who have looked at Sam Adams negatively, the people like myself who used to think Sam Adams was all that, all that in a bag of chips. And now we realize that there's a lot more better beer out there. Um, and so, you know, they know all things you're, there's ups and downs. There's going to be goods and bads. There's going to be times where your product isn't, you know, the, the top of the world thing that everybody's clamoring for. Um, and, and they've protected themselves against that. You know, uh, I'm sure they saw numbers as well where they saw Sam Adams percentages either dropping or not dropping or growing or whatever they are. And they decided that, Hey, you know, what is really growing is hard seltzers. What's really growing ciders, you know, let's get into that line of work. Yeah. man. So, I mean, this, this is uh, one in one thing. It's like so much respect for Sam Adams, for Boston beer co for what they've done. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, kind of knowing who you are and, and your identity and understanding where you stand in the craft beer community when you've got 2,000 brewers opening up and everything is shifting to drink local, drink local, support your local brewer. And yeah. you're and you're essentially a macro that still flags flies under the flag of micro. Um, you know, I'm sure they saw a decline approaching and they decided to diversify their portfolio and they did a brilliant job with it. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of blown away. Kudos. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos to boss logger again, credit, giving credit where credit is due, you know, man, man. All right. So you want, you want to move to the, the next big topic topic. Everyone's Ooh, been the one. To cover. Yes. The one, which is the reason that, and, and even though it might seem like the reason for this episode was because of our email and the fact that we bashed Boston logger, the actual reason for this Boston beer co inspired episode is this topic, which I'm sure you all already know because you haven't living, haven't been living under a rock like us. And you but anyway, that, yeah, take I mean, it away. <laughs> yeah, man. We've been getting a lot of messages, emails, comments, being me being approached in person about it. It's probably the biggest craft beer story we've ever covered is the merger of Boston Beer Co., Sam Adams, and Dogfish Head. And Dogfish Head. Oh. oh man, this one, uh, let's go through Let's go through uh, some of the facts about it. And uh, we won't get into too much numbers unless we need to, but let's go on the, the set a good foundation because this yeah. topic is, is very loaded for both of us. Um, mm-hmm. Two of the country's biggest, this is, I'm on Good Beer Hunting, uh, if, in case you guys want to look it up. Uh, two of the country's biggest breweries are joining forces. Boston Beer Company, makers of Samuel Adams, and Dogfish Head Brewery announced this week at the time of this article, they, quote, signed a def- definitive merger agreement, end quote, that will bring the companies together for, quote, approximately, end quote, $300 million. So that is the first, that was breaking news when this happened. Holy shit. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I want to point out before we continue a little bit more this is not a buyout a lot of people think it's a buyout it's not a buyout it's an executive merger which we will get into what that is in a minute um pretty much uh scrolling down a little bit here uh because there is a little numbers i want to cover in terms of that i now can't find um pretty much uh sam abs like we mentioned before is the second biggest scrappery dogfish at the time of the merger was 13 
uh, which is mind-boggling that dogfish as big as they are, they're only 13th. Um, so obviously we've had Sam Calagione on the episode, on the show, um, and obviously he actually listened to the show, Dogfish Brewery. Super awesome person. Um, they're, they're fans of the show, so I want to say hi to them and Sam and everybody at Dogfish. Thank you so much for, for being supporters of us and listening to the show. Um, uh, they're not, the companies aren't worth $300 million. They're not. A lot of people think Dogfish, and it's not. The merger is worth 300. So it's not a buyout. It's not a, um, value, a total value estimate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just there. It's essentially uh, Jim's coming over to Dogfish Heads executive and board directors. Sam's going over to Boston Beer Co. And um, essentially, everything, to my knowledge, is going to remain the same, except I think they're going to have Dogfish logos on Boston Beer Co. packaging and Boston Beer Co. logo on Dogfish packaging. I believe that's correct, but don't quote me on it. But I heard that was going to be a thing. Um, pretty much, um, I don't know why the merger happened personally, not too sure. It caught me out of left field. Uh, I got a text. I got like 13 texts once it got released and I don't have an answer for those asking of why the merger happened. I only have speculation to why. And I think, um, they both have boss beer co and Sam and, uh, Sam Adams, boss beer co and dogfish have similar outlooks on the industry. Um, and Jim, Jim Koch is 70 years old and probably wants out of the day to day. And Sam just turned, I believe he just turned 50. Um, so that's what I think. Um, the main reason for the, the merger, um, outside of people, some people say it's been, it's distro, but I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's a combination of things. I'm sure it doesn't hurt to have the large distribution markets and the hot buying and all the good stuff and everything that we've always talked about when you get with these big beer companies. I'm sure that doesn't hurt. Um, not that Dogfish Head was in any immediate need of any of that stuff because they also have their own distribution networks and things set up. And, and, and you know, uh, it's funny because my to me it's like, it's almost like Sam and Jim are like uh, they're kind of like each other in a lot of ways, except that Jim's done it longer. I feel like, yeah, <laughs> or like, yeah, or like, is no, maybe like maybe just like a little like uh, not burnout or not, but just but like kind of the company's gotten so big to the point that doing the small little one-off crazy cool, cra- you know, stuff is maybe impractical or, or not possible anymore for, for Sam Adams to do, you know, to do that, like really kitschy stuff. And that stuff that's that dogfish head does so well, the weird beer stuff um, maybe kind of worked its way out of possibility for them. Because like we've said before, like Jim was a paver of, of a lot of this stuff and was a uh, once, you know, back when, when this all started was all about the quality of the beer you know, I can remember like 10 years, 10, over 10 years ago, the Sam Adams commercials with the, we put over a pound of hops in the beer when other brewers put just a tiny bit or whatever. You know, I remember how it was all built on quality and how he was really pushing and paving the way for quality beer is better than what you guys have been drinking and you deserve better beer. Um, and that was 10, it was over 10 years ago. Um, 
and so now it's I feel like Sam maybe is is hitting that kind of crossroads where maybe Dogfish Head is getting too big to focus on on weird beer, and and so it's it, it's kind of a logical thing. It, it's it's very strange actually. So there's a there's a craft cocktail bar in Stewart called Vine and Barley, and they're wonderful people. Really really cool bar if you're ever in the area to go to. They've got all the uh, wine dispensing taps. Oh yeah, you can yeah, go yeah. up and put the card and pour yourself however much wine you want, and they've got a good craft beer selection and just really great uh, bartenders and and everything. And and the owner and I were speaking about this buyout or this uh, not buyout, this merger. And and he has he knows both owners uh, personally. He's met both people and spoken with them and everything. And he said he said I'll tell you, man. Like Jim is Jim is a cool guy. He's like he really like helped pave the way for me, you know, to want to get into the craft beer world and everything. And and he was about good beer. Like he was about good beer. But then he did say, you know, he's like, it's just Dogfish Head now and Sam Adams now are such different companies that I don't see the motivation there. He's like, but, but mm. I guess, you know, so I, I, I don't know, but he's, he said, he's like, he's, he's a little disappointed because he likes both brewers and he likes them both personally and everything. And, um, and he, and he liked the different things they were doing well, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, while, while you were talking, I was, I was skimming the article cause of course I don't research it and maybe, maybe this might help both of us kind of figure things out, I guess is, is a lack of a better term here. Um, third paragraph at the bottom, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you're at, but I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, pretty much in recent years, uh, this good beer hunting, uh, in recent years, uh, they, these two companies have done diverging paths with Boston beer struggling to find staying power for beer brands like rebel IPA. Or Sam 76. Instead, the company has leaned hard on its non-beer portfolio of Angry Chair Cider, Twisted Tea, Flavor Malt, and Truly Hard Seltzers, which we've just talked about. Um, Dogfish, however, has been on fire. And here it gets real interesting, Jeff. Through the first quarter of 2019, which is not too long ago, Boston beer sales measured by market research company IRIs, grocery convenience, and other stores almost entirely came from non-beer brands. We just talked about it how the non-beer stuff is very heavy in Boston Beer Coast portfolio. Meanwhile, Dogfish Head beer level, beer, God, I can't read today. This beer's fucking me up. Meanwhile, Dogfish Head beers have grown by an average of almost 13% year to year from 2015 to 2018 in those same IRI stores. That growth has been led to the wildly successful launch of Sequench Ale and the company's and, the, and, a, and a company that's openly embracing the excitement around an increasingly, quote, better for you, end quote, portfolio of brands. Um, and then give me one more paragraph and then we can we could talk about what I just read. Uh, Dogfish found, founder Sam and Mariah Caligioni, who we met, uh, will now act as the largest non-institutional shareholders of Boston Beer stock after Jim Koch, with their shares worth approximately $127 million dollars. Dogfish will also receive about 173 million, wiping clean that 2015 private equity investment by LNK Partners, which the Caligiones had always said would be bought out. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting on on a couple le- couple le- levels. So Sam and Mariah Caligione owned 127 million of stock only behind Jim Koch, which can go up and down based off the business success. But they also received 173 million to pay off an investment company that invested 
to have them expand God, burping, expand business expansion. So they, they now don't own that. That LNK Partners is no longer part and owners or investors of Dogfish. So it kind of wiped them out. So now they now own more majority or more stakes at Dogfish, Sam and Mariah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going above. Um, you know, maybe my opinion, the merger makes sense for Dogfish and Boston because Dogfish is still growing 13% year after year for three years. That's amazing growth. Amazing, mm-hmm. amazing, amazing. Uh, and, so, so go ahead. And, well, and as we just discussed in the last article, they are dangerously close to losing their traditional brewer status with the uh, beer, um, the association because they yep. are, um, going to be focusing on non-beer entities. As we saw, they're, they're almost over 50% non-beer sales. So now adding all of Dogfish Head sales into their portfolio, they'll be able to continue flying that flag under the traditional brewer standpoint because now they're going to bump themselves up immediately to about 70, you know, 70% beer sales. Yeah, and, and that's that's very true. But I think the point I got from this is that Dogfish beers are, are growing a lot yeah. year after year after year. Sam Ams are dropping off, but their non-beer stuff is growing massively. Dogfish doesn't make that stuff. They don't make a cider. They make spirits, but mm-hmm. they don't make a cider. They don't make a twisted tea or flavor malt, and they don't do seltzer. So from that Correct. standpoint, it would be – and if the money, if the numbers are right, it would make total sense to join because what one is doing awesome and the other one is not – doing awesome so well, why not just make it one massive they do now they do all the things company now. <laughs> yeah <laughs> because uh because sam and mariah have uh, have immediately become the second largest stakeholders in in boston beer co and uh in that respect if you own that much stock in boston beer co then guess what you are now in ciders and hard seltzers and twisted tea and all that stuff so yeah now now he does all those things. Yeah. <laughs> Dogfish head is linked with that. And that's fine. If that's what they, you know, if that, cause like we said, that's growing. And I really do. I think a lot of that stuff has staying power. I don't, don't I, I hesitate to say this <laughs> because I've, I've, I have a pretty good track record with calling these trends. I've been right on, on almost oh, yeah. all of them so far. I cannot imagine that twisted T has staying power. So, I'm gonna make the bold one. That is probably <gasps> wrong. I say Twisted T sees sharp decline in the next year. Oh, okay. All right. I say seltzers. Spike seltzers take everything away from a from a malt tea thing. I don't. I just. I see as these as these hard seltzers continue to grow. That's a direct. That's a direct loser of sales in relation to hard seltzer growth. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. I'm not saying it goes away. Obviously, it's right, growing. Right, it's, but you're saying it's, it's going to drop off. I think it's going to decline. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I'm probably wrong, but I just can't. I just don't. I don't know who's drinking the stuff. I can't see how it's growing if I don't it, know a dude, single it's, person it's drinking bum it. bum beers. It's a bum beer. <laughs> it's a bum bev. Must be selling those a lot on like, on like the Two lakes. Two trees, man. Uh, right on the lakes, <laughs> the lakes of the Midwest or something. They're out there partying all summer with these things. I don't know. 
Like, yeah. is, is Kid Rock sponsored by them? <laughs> like, like, what? They have up in, like, he has that much swing? <laughs> up in, like, Michigan, freaking drinking Twisted Teas. Like, how? I mean, what is this? Like, I just don't understand how this is happening. Um, but uh, whatever. I mean, it's uh, – I just – I don't – I mean, I, I'm – I'm a boater. I go to the beach. I live by the shore. You know, I, I don't see this stuff around me at all. I, it's not sold in restaurants, even restaurants on the water. It's not sold there. Um, I mean, I'm coastal Florida. If there's a place where twisted tea should be, you know, I should be seeing these at the sandbar. I should yeah. be seeing these things out where people are drinking on the boat or drinking at the beach. I do not see them ever. They're not even in gas stations. Like I don't see them in gas stations really. Like I don't, I don't know how these things are selling. Like they are, I can't see it. You go to a gas station right now and there are at least in every gas station, pretty much there's at least two, if not three different brands of hard seltzers that they're selling out of their beer coolers. Yeah. I don't know, man. Um, reading the article as you were talking again, um, Sam is the one who approached Jim about joining forces. So mm. I want I want to put that out there. Um, and then another thing I want to I want to make mention and just to reiterate, uh, um, despite one of the biggest debuts in in the history of beer, Sam Adams Rebel IPA has effectively been abandoned, and the beer lost sixty percent of IRI sales volume from twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen. Dogfish, meanwhile, has purposely capped production levels of its 60-minute IPA. Yep. Well, 60 minutes is just a phenomenal IPA. Yeah. So uh, just a little uh, icing on the cake on that one. Um, but you know what's funny? Did you ever try the Rebel IPA? No. I thought Rebel IPA was actually really good. And and Rebel, not only that, but Rebel Rider and Rebel Rouser, the the – they had the uh, the Rouser, I believe, was the double IPA, and the Rider was the um, session IPA in the uh-huh. in the Rebel series. Yeah. I actually can say that all three of them, f- for for what they were, for a massively uh, massively available IPA, I thought they were all decent. Like they were good. Like to me, I'm very surprised that they weren't. They didn't become more people's old reliable. Um, mm, yeah. not, not saying it was like, there's not better IPAs out there or there's not better local breweries or people that give, you know, that did better. But I was very surprised, especially the, the traditional regular old rebel IPA, not the double and not the, the other one, but the, that rebel IPA, I'm very surprised didn't become a, a staple at ale houses and chilies and, and stuff like that. And didn't become you know, a permanent tap and didn't become an old reliable, especially with how many hop heads there are out there. Yeah. I think it just, I think that kind of fell off when new England's were starting to uh, be a big thing. And I remember a lot of people not liking rebel because I think they changed the recipe to, it went from like awesome to not being awesome, which is a okay. common thing with breweries, I guess. Uh, first batch is awesome. They're like, oh no, this shit sucks. Or there's something that changes, and they tweak the recipe, and it's shit. Well, they so probably they probably go, okay, we made the good beer, we got the name out there. Now, how do we make yeah. it cheaper? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's possible. Yeah, um, but yeah, dude, I really <sighs> did. I, I got to say, I really did like that. I thought Rebel was an okay beer, and I'm I'm very surprised to hear how much it fell off. 
But I'm not surprised to hear that 60 minute is still going strong because I do believe that that's already cemented itself as people's old reliable like seven years ago. Oh yeah, that's the Sierra <laughs> Pale Ale. Like, like that's, that's on par with Sierra Pale Ale. Yeah, sure. like I think before the hophead craze had really took hold, and before I mean now everybody thinks they like IPAs, even if they don't. They just that's the only term they know in craft beer sometimes. And and before we got to this level of hophead craziness, um, Sam Adams sixty minute was already there. Like it was, it was already old, reliable. It was like, oh, you don't have anything new or crazy local. Uh, I'll just have a Sam sixty. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, a Dogfish sixty. Dogfish, yeah, right, right. A Sam seventy six. They're getting too confusing. <laughs> watch, watch it be like a, a sixty minutes Boston Lager. <laughs> that Sam now that Sam seventy six actually, I don't, I don't mind that beer either. It's not. I don't mind it either. Yeah, I don't not mind bad. it. That it's one, that bad. one, that one kind of became the rebel, even though it's not, I don't believe it's an IPA. I don't really yeah. know what style it is, but I drink it when I'm at like, that's like an ale house or Chili's beer. That's like, it's always sure. on tap. It's always there. Oh, what do you have? You got a Sam Adams seasonal and a Sam 76. I'll do the 76, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. do, I, 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 that's like uh if all outs fails and the beer selection's not my favorite, I I'll order one of those and I think yeah. they're okay. Yeah, they're okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> But boy, to this story, man, I don't, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what the future holds. Um, I'll always be a dogfish, uh, loyalist, a faithful, uh, will always admire, uh, Sam, no matter how crazy and awesome he can be, you know, um, this one took me by surprise, but I have faith in Sam and Mariah and the dogfish family. And, uh, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but the longer I, I sit on it and think about it, you know, if it, if it means, more growth for them and more dogfish in my belly, you know, I'm always hundred percent down for that. Well, yeah. And, and as the viewers of the show or listeners, as, as you guys have already known about us is we're pretty open-minded about these kind of things that either buyouts or mergers or whatever it is, we pretty much always have the same line. If the beer stays the same, then I have absolutely no issue with it. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, they got to They got to make their money. They got to live. They got to eat. And the whole prob, the whole purpose is to expand your business. The whole purpose is to do better. And and if they have the opportunity to do it and they do it, that's great. Just don't forget about us and don't forget the people <laughs> who have been buying your beer for years and don't all of a sudden start cutting corners and making the beer cheaper just because it's better for business or whatever. Remember your roots. Remember that you were always the people that cared about good beer first. And keep thinking of your customers the way you have for so long. And you're going to be just fine through this thing. Thank God that us human beings have incredibly short memories. And everybody will forget all about this by the time the next story breaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, in that case, uh, let's uh, wrap the show up. Uh. Jeff, <laughs> you have any? you have anything to plug? <sighs> oh, my God. Yeah, Home Depot. Why is the chicken, chicken song? Yeah, Home Depot. I spend about... At the beginning of the episode. Two million hours a week in Home Depot. So, guys, go there. That place is sick. No, I'm just, <laughs> um, no, I, I don't have anything to plug. All I do is work on my house all day, and then I work at work all night. And I, I'm just working like yeah, a minimum of twelve, but closer to eighteen hours a day. And, uh, and that's it. Today, I took a nice little Father's Day off because you know I'm a father to two puppies, so. Doggo dad. That counts. <laughs> Jeff the doggo <Yeah>. dad. 
Yeah, we call it Pother's Day. Pother's Day. I got my I got my Pother's Day off today, and I took a nice fat nap in the middle of the day, and it was wonderful. Ate too much, drank too much, and now I'm doing a show for the first time in a couple months, and just happy to be back on the air. Yeah, Uh, yeah, uh, that's awesome, man. Um, I I want to plug Black Marlin, uh, downtown Stewart. Always go there; the best food around. Uh, also, I'll plug our website, as always, at thebarpockets.com. Uh, I've upped the website plan, so more stuff coming uh, whenever I have time to give more stuff. Um, shirts, are, <laughs> or, <laughs> shirts are being designed. Um, we are in the process of still moving from a different supplier to a new supplier, and that takes time. And I am everywhere under the sun sometimes on, on weekends. When I have them off, um, other than that, uh, at the bar podcast, social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, comment, subscribe, share all that stuff. Uh, sorry it took us so long to, to make another episode, but, um, we're back at least for this time and hopefully next week and the following weeks up until, yeah, uh, I'm going to do, no do my best to keep being yeah. on here. So, yeah. So. Until then, we have we have great stuff in the pipeline. Unfortunately, just not a lot of time for both of us to do it. But this year, we made a a, a goal of doing cool shit. So we still have another six months of doing cool shit. Mm-hmm. So uh, more of that to come. Uh, announcements will be on social media, all that all that fun stuff. But uh, enjoy. I hope you guys like the intro song. By the way, we didn't really address it in the beginning. Oh but, man, uh, the you old take Jeff for that one. I sent that to him and somebody <laughs> came across. I don't even know who sent it to me. What a freaking great song, huh? So uh, <laughs> let us know if you guys liked it because I will plug it. I will uh, edit it in every episode. <laughs> God, the old chicken fight. Well, chicken fight. But as always, everyone, I'm Mike. That was Jeff. Thanks again for listening to another episode of At The Bar Podcast. And until next time, we will see you guys and gals at the bar. Peace. See ya.